Good evening from Plughead Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with uh, episode 478 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network for September 3rd, 2017. This week, your assistants are your assistants are working together. Apparently that's gonna be a hard word for me. Your childhood is becoming relevant again and your personal data could be for sale again. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, thank you. Uh, whether it be Facebook, iTunes, the podcast play app in the Windows Store, uh, Google Play Music Podcasts on Android, the myriad of other podcatchers, or of course our live stream partners, uh, Livestream.com, Mixer, YouTube Live, and of course Periscope. Uh, you can join us uh, on any of those. And of course, on our apps, pluggitslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Uh, there are two ways that you can join us. The first is through any of those live stream partners, Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you will see links for all four. You will also see the embed uh, from Mixer. So if you don't want to go anywhere else, you can just join us right there as well. Um, but you can join us on any of the four. You can chat with us in the chat room. That's one of the best parts. And uh, give us your input on the topics that we're talking about as we're talking about them. We love to hear your input. The two easiest ways tonight to uh, chat with us will be on uh, Mixer and YouTube because they're both open in uh, all of our <laughs> all of our locations. But uh, we'll be checking the others as well. Uh, if you can't join us live, that is okay. You can also subscribe by going to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see F5 Live, The Pilch Point with Avram Pilch, uh, which we'll be talking about IFA in just a little bit. Uh, our special events feed, our first looks, uh, which will be coming back for a special edition uh, next week. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, and all of our other series as well, uh, just by going to plugitslive.com slash subscribe. And I think with that, that is my spiel. How are you, Avram? Good, good. Did you have a good week? About, yeah, I had a pretty good week. It was a little uh, quiet in the office, but uh, big news coming out of Berlin where a couple of my colleagues were uh, visiting the IFA show, uh, which is a great uh, you know, great consumer technology show, a lot like CES for Europe. Um, so that so that was cool, uh, and uh, I got to go to Legoland with my son. So that Ooh. was cool. Very <laughs> nice. An off-topic thing. I recommend everybody go to a Lego. Well, it wasn't the official Lego. Like there's the big Legoland in California, and then there's like the little I guess you call them Lego Discovery Centers. That are in a lot of cities and more cities. So I went to one. We have again, actually just enjoyed it. We have actually got the other Legoland here in uh, Florida, in Lakeland. Oh, is there. it like a big one with with big rides? Uh huh. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta take him there just for that. <laughs> we had this was like an indoor, you know, one. It just oh, you know, gotcha. You're just there for like a couple hours because it's not that that big, but sure. he loved it, and and I loved it. Cause it was, Oh man, it was, they had like an entire New York city, like the scale, I think with Lego made out of Legos. Jeez. They're, was, they're incredible to see, aren't they? Some of the stuff that gets done. 
Yeah, yeah, it 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 is it is amazing. It is uh, really really fascinating to to see the cool stuff. Uh, before yeah. before our uh, Museum of Science and Industry in Tampa uh, shut down for renovation, they had. Uh, an exhibit called the art of the brick i think which was an all lego uh exhibit which may or may not be coming back when they're done i don't have any idea so so consequently i spent like the last two days building the stuff that he bought at the lego store sure (laughs) yeah that makes Um, sense you know we got him an ad at and it you know, and he's way too young to build it, but he really wanted it. So sure. he's sitting there, like, spent like three hours today building one. But uh, eh, it takes me back having having my uh, my son is like living my childhood all over again. So, uh, or at least the good parts. So, sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So that so that was that was cool. And uh, you know, as we strive strive into fall, lots of cool things are going to be coming. Lots of new products. So, uh, look. Uh oh. Well, it's that time of the show where Avram does his 60 second pause. So, in that, uh, with that, what I'll do right now is, uh, let's talk about, um, our temporary gap in our show. Um, we were talking about building stuff. Uh, this month is the, uh, kickoff for the first tech challenge robotics program oh everyone's back um and so uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna have our first look show back for a special uh episode next week um one of our partners is doing a robot in a weekend and so we're gonna be there covering the team building a robot literally from the announcement on Saturday, probably through Sunday night, uh, by the end of Sunday night, we should have a uh, fully functional, or at least mostly functional machine. So uh, next week, our show will be a little different. We will be uh, we will be building a robot <laughs> instead of a normal show. So it'll be a first look show next week, which means we won't see Avram next week. Uh, we'll see him back in two, but uh, that's okay. We've got a lot of stuff and. Uh, Welcome back, Abram. <laughs> you did your no. That I, I I look forward to watching next week's to see to see somebody building the robot. Do you know what kind of robot it is yet? We don't know what the game is going to entail. We know what the theme is. Uh, it based on the the logo that has been released. It's uh, Indiana Jonesy. I don't want to say Indiana Jones. Period, but it does seem to have a bit of an Indiana Jones feel to it. So, um, I, but I don't know what the the exact game will be. That we will find out uh, Saturday. I think it, I think the game is released at noon, um, and then after kickoff, we will go to our build location at University Mall in Tampa. If you're in the Tampa area and would like to see this crazy thing in action. Um, the uh, the front of the storefront will be open for the whole build, so uh, if you want to come check it out, you're welcome to at the University Mall over by the Spencers. I don't know the mall very well, but if you find the Spencers, you'll find us. <laughs> so that's that's as much as we know about what the the robot will be required to do. <laughs> so very little, <laughs> but we will find out on Saturday, and then we will go immediately to our build and start working, and we will turn the live stream on as soon as things get exciting. So 
you'll be able to Are follow us. Are you going us. to use actual parts from Spencer Gifts? No. Like spray it down with fart spray when it's over. <laughs> you, you know, with the group that'll be there, it's always possible. <laughs> you never quite know what's going to happen. I mean, it is going to be a number of people who have just recently graduated from high school in the last couple of years. So, you know, it's always possible. <laughs> they know who their market is and it's uh, that group. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, definitely join us. Uh, we will be broadcasting not from any of our pages. It'll be coming from another Facebook page. So what we'll do is we'll share the, uh, the stream on all of our pages so you can follow along because um, we don't want anybody to miss anything. It should be a tremendous amount of fun. And it'll be over two days. So anyway, um, with that, how about we get down to some news, Abram? Yep. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Uh, you can get a uh, Surface laptop right now starting at uh, $9.99 and a Surface Pro starting at $7.99. You can save $50 on an Xbox One S plus get two additional games and of course uh, learn about all of the stuff with uh, VR and AR with uh, Windows 10 Mixed Reality which is coming in October, plus, of course, a whole bunch of other stuff, right? You can find other laptops, Office 365, other deals on uh, VR stuff like the HTC Vive, which we mentioned last week just went to $599. Um, the limited edition Minecraft Xbox One S, which is a gorgeous device. And of course, uh, a bunch of other Microsoft stuff as well. And you can find all of that by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. Speaking of Microsoft, <laughs> uh, let's, let's talk about a little teaser of IFA, something that was announced this week that was a bit of a surprise to almost all of us and that was the idea that alexa and cortana are becoming colleagues instead of competitors uh starting sometime before the end of this year according to both companies uh you will be able to use one of your digital assistants to trigger the other one the initial um trigger sequence will be a little clumsy uh not ideal you know uh, hey Cortana, open Alexa, blah, 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 and then say your Alexa thing. Uh, reorder napkins or whatever the thing is that you want Alexa to do. And vice versa, you can say, Alexa, open Cortana, uh, what's my next appointment or whatever. So you'll be able to trigger both of them uh, back and forth, which is an interesting move from both companies considering how big the the digital assistant market is and how much everybody else is trying to like compete themselves compete. like into a corner right so what's interesting about this to me is under what circumstances now first of all do we know yet whether you'll be able to change the default to the other one or you every time you want to ask alexa from within windows 10 or something you're going to have to say cortana open alexa 
or once you've opened it the first time, will you be able to keep asking questions? I don't know the details on that, but I think uh, the command to open Alexa will uh, trigger her to be the uh, processor instead of Cortana uh, for that session. As soon as the Cortana window closes, though, Cortana will kick back in as your primary. That's my guess, but I don't know for sure. And that's just the behavior at launch. Um, the The plan is that no matter which one you're on, depending on what you ask, um, the system behind the scenes will determine who is the best one to, uh, to complete a particular request and will automatically choose for you. That's the next step, but it's not the, the before the end of the year, you know, first gen here, try it out thing. Well, here's an interesting question. If you were trying to plan that out, which, which one, what are some of the things that you would give to Cortana over Alexa? What are some of the things that you would give to Alexa over Cortana? Uh, Alexa, I would put in charge of, uh, buying stuff. Uh, Cortana, I would put in charge of, uh, general like internet searches and like Skype stuff because obviously, you know, Alexa's integration with Skype and with office and office 365 and outlook and all that stuff is going to be much more detailed than Alexa could ever be. But then Alexa's integration with Amazon's, uh, tools obviously are going to be much more detailed than, than Microsoft could ever have. So, and then. You know, somewhere down the middle, um, you know, when you start getting into maybe like home controls, it depends on where who you've set up the home controls with. You know, what about when it comes to just that? I mean, I generally don't don't see the point of this, but what what happens when it comes to just asking informational questions that either one could have? Like, what's the weather? I would know? I would stay on whoever the the hardware provider is. So if you're asking the Echo, I'd let the Echo, I'd let Alexa do it because there's only a single call that needs to be made instead of a double call. And if you're on Windows 10 and you ask, I'd just let Cortana deal with her own stuff because yeah, you don't have I, to do I, the double hop. I guess I'm just trying to think of this in it from a like consumer perspective, mm -hmm. like from a from a like kind of power user perspective. Like, yeah, great, give me choices, give me freedom. Mm -hmm. But if you, but if you're having a situation where you ask your computer something and you're not really, sh I mean, I don't know. Maybe in the end it doesn't matter as long as it's seamless. But if you're getting a different voice each time, you know that might be a little, little weird. I uh, don't I, know that you're going to get a different voice each time. I have a feeling oh. that the voice processing will be done by the hardware. Total guess. Um, I've read all the information that's been publicly made publicly available and that's not one of the things that's been discussed but my guess is that if you ask in in the sec second gen probably first gen too if you ask cortana a question you know hey cortana open alexa order napkins and alexa responds my guess is the voice processing will be done by cortana it's just a guess though because I can totally see that, like, you know, average consumer Bob and Betty Best Buy being like, whoa, why are there two different people talking to me? Yeah. What's the difference? Why is my computer schizophrenic? One? Yeah. What's the difference between the one and the other? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that this is net a huge advantage, Amazon, because it gets Amazon 
onto all these Windows 10 computers. Mm-hmm. Court for and it benefits Amazon because I'm sorry to say I, I don't think Cortana is bad or anything, but I think Amazon has dominated the market. Like except has dominated the market for like home devices. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know as far as on phones. Uh, you could probably argue that, you know, obviously Siri is a clear, you know, clearly well-known and people do use Google Assistant. But, you know, on, you know, in your home, uh, you know, for home-based stuff, Alexa is very well-known. People who don't even have it kind of think it's cool and want it. Uh, so, you know, you look at that, and, and Amazon's been very smart about license, allowing anybody who wants to pretty much to make Alexa powered stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I know Lenovo is coming out with, you know, earlier show had shown an Alexa speaker. I think, you know, there, there are companies out there, other companies out there working on Alexa products. Yeah. Um, and it's all to Amazon's advantage, right? Cause now you're getting into their ecosystem. So, you know, how many people are going to ask for Cortana when they have their Alexa in front of them? Now, I, I think a lot more people are going to ask for Alexa from their computer than are going to ask for Cortana from their, uh, you know, from their Echo. So I think, I think net, this is, this is good for Amazon. I'm not, on the other hand, Microsoft, for Microsoft, this might be sort of a tacit admission that, they are. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, or even what you can say numbers are, because how you measure engagement with these things is it's hard to say. But I think that I don't think that Cortana is generally seen as one of the leaders. Uh, micro- you know? Microsoft says that uh, Cortana has 145 million uh, active uh, users, not requests, but users uh, per month. Yes, I've I've heard that, but I also have to wonder what counts as being an active user. Like Cortana is the search box, so people will type things into Cortana into the search box all the time. And does that count as as using Cortana? I think it has to trigger the Cortana service. Um, Correct. But which uh, local searches anything that's on the local machine uh, or anything that just touches Bing via text. Uh, doesn't go through uh, the Cortana service. Um, yeah, but I feel like there's a lot of things where you're given a Cortana-like recommendation. Plus, Cortana automatically pops up with notifications sometimes. So you just click on that and you've used Cortana. So I don't know. I'm just saying that while I can't you know, prove or disprove this, I'd really like to know, like, how many people use the voice feature of Cortana, for example, versus just typing something in the search box? Absolutely. That's a stat that I would love to know. You know, so with Alexa, I think it's all, I don't even know if there is a way to, to, to interact with Alexa via text. So, you know, with Alexa, you can say they all talk to it. Now, what I like about Cortana is all the stuff you could do with text. Cause generally speaking, I'm an old fogey and I don't like talking to my computer. Sure. I find it awkward, weird. I don't know why I need to talk to it. Just let me type what I need as a command. 
Uh, and it, it does a good job in things that really don't need to be named Cortana, like, you know, like searching for like natural language search of files. Like that's a great feature that's supposedly part of Cortana, but there's no re nothing that's inherently digital assistant about it. Like right. if you say like, you know, open the last word document that I edited or find my quarterly report or something. And it like, you know, uses the natural language of your query with what's on your hard drive. Like that's, that's cool. I, I, I think ultimately like anything that gives consumers more choice is great, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure that this really helps Microsoft build up Cortana's reputation. Now, if Microsoft is thinking like, Hey, we actually, you know, maybe we want to kind of like use, um, you know, use Alexa as our assistant. Uh, and we're just sort of transitioning away from Cortana or a, a lower role for Cortana. Um, then, uh, then this also makes sense. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I would just, uh, like it's good for consumers, but I'm not so sure that it's good for Microsoft. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see in time. It's possible that the the Cortana concept might be, uh, you know, on its way to being uh, more of a a service than a product. Which you know, this kind of move would make sense. Um, it's also possible that. Uh, Microsoft sees this simply as a way to uh, increase the um, the reach of Bing. Yeah, there there are there are possibilities that th this could all be simply about reach increasing the number of uh, registered Bing searches. Uh, who knows? Huh. So will Alexa search through Bing? I don't even know where it searches through now. Me neither. But I mean, if you're if you're searching through Cortana, you can be assured that you're searching with Bing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't change that if you want to. So, so you know, there there's no telling exactly what what Microsoft's plans are here or or why they decided it was a good idea. But I'm I'm definitely with you. I think the idea that uh, more choice. From a consumer standpoint, more choice is better. Obviously, I've been a big proponent of Cortana since she was in alpha on my phone. Um, and the ability to get her in more places for me is a win. Uh, so I'm definitely excited about it. <laughs> This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The headphones on my head right now, the Monster Elements, available in a variety of colors and a variety of sizes, full on-ear and over-ear. Uh, plus, if this isn't your style, that's okay. It, there's in-ears, small, other on-ears, over-ears, sport style, corded and cordless, plus, of course, speakers from the little hot shot all the way up to the big Monster Blaster and the new Firecracker, now available. Uh, plus uh, cables and power to hook these and all of your other devices up as well. Plus, 
the uh, the outlet store. I was just looking through the outlet stuff myself, and I happened to notice that one of the the slimline little power cards, uh, which is a portable charger, uh, is available for seven dollars and ninety nine cents. Uh, because the package is damaged. So, uh, lots of other deals as well, and you can find all of that by going to plunkitslive.com slash monster. And that music means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Abram Pilch. Abram! It's hey! Still here. <laughs> Indeed. It's been a, uh, it's been an interesting week for announcements. Yeah, it has. So lots of cool stuff uh, being announced this week because, and maybe people saw some of the announcements that didn't see uh, where they came from. Uh, but this past week was a big trade, a very important trade show. Uh, IFA, IFA sometimes referred to as IFA Berlin. Uh, a couple of my colleagues, Phil Michaels and Andrew Friedman, went this year. I've been in the past, though, and my favorite part of the trip is, like, it's it's a good show, but the food is unbelievable there. <laughs> anyway, uh, if you ever get a chance in your life, I'm just saying this to everybody, try Currywurst. You usually can't, it's hard to find outside of Germany, although there are a few restaurants here in the U.S. that have, wow, that food is good. Anyway, so... Uh, at the show, a lot of things were announced, and we we picked out some of our some of our favorites because these are all things you're going to be looking forward to this fall. Um, so for one, uh, we really liked the LG V30 phone. Uh, it is a really large phablet, six inches. It has an OLED display, which is something that we haven't seen on haven't seen much on LG phones, and it's got a couple of different cameras uh dual cameras on the back so uh lg trying to be competitive and looks like it has competitive offering obviously samsung everyone's really looking forward to the the no eight um hopefully it's safe uh <laughs> here this one is a personal favorite uh the uh star wars jedi challenges uh device that was announced this week uh did you see that one did you hear about that one nope Oh, wow. So this is really cool augmented reality thing. So the uh, so you wear so Lenovo's come out with this. You wear a it's going to be one ninety nine. It it is a headset that you wear that you can stick your Android or iPhone in. It, it supports like eight or ten popular phones. Not every phone in the world uh, can fit in there. Uh, fit into thing. The headset's pretty comfortable, uh, and uh, there it comes with a lightsaber and a base station to sort of track your position in the room. You put the base station on the floor, and then you can play AR games where you lightsaber duel Kylo Ren and other stuff like that. Uh, there's like a there's like three games with it. One of them is the 3D chess from Star Wars. One of them is lightsaber battle. Uh, and then another one is uh, is some type of uh, tower defense game, I think, with uh, uh, with ad ads. Uh, so anyway, it's uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be super cool when it comes out. I think in October, um, you know, it just like 
the concept and it's all AR. It's not VR. So like you're, okay. you're it's sort of making the things appear on top of things in your room. Uh, is, is this okay? Is this the thing that has it? It's a lightsaber hilt, and then there's about yes. an inch of like glowing. Yes. yes. Oh, I saw pictures, but I didn't know what I was looking at. Yeah, yeah, you know that's that's what it is. And when you you hold that, it's like Bluetooth connected to everything. And then you know, in the goggle, it looks like your lightsaber is totally fired up. Got it. You know? And there's buttons on it for doing stuff. So. Uh, in fact, you use that for the navigation in the game. So, like, you know, you got to point, point at different things to like pick what game you want, and such. So uh, that that's a fantastic one, uh, really exciting. Uh, obviously, uh, mentioned in time for Force Friday, which was uh, which was Friday. Uh, there's a new uh, there's a new Gear Sport for those who wanted another uh, Samsung Tizen powered phone. Um, still, I don't know how bullish to be on smartwatches considering the kind of years of disappointment that we've had, but, uh, it looks pretty cool. Uh, best, there's a new, uh, fitness tracker available from Garmin, the Vivo Active 3 that was announced. Um, Motorola just came out with a Moto X4, uh, which also has dual cameras and it comes with Alexa and with Alexa on it. Okay. Uh, now onto the, some of the laptops that w- that were announced. Uh, Lenovo is coming out with a couple. The Yoga 920 uh, will be one of the first with eighth gen core, uh, and that will be coming out in October for 1349. That's a successor to the Yoga 910. Uh, very fancy consumer two in one. Uh, they're also coming out with the Mix 520, which is a uh, which is a detachable to kind of compete with the Surface. Uh, with the Surface Pro, um, Dell is refreshing its XPS 13, which is its flagship model with eighth, eighth gen core, uh, and it's going to refresh a lot of its Inspirons uh, and replace them with and have like thinner bezels and a new design. Particularly, we're excited to see the Inspiron 15 7000. They're an expensive, relatively inexpensive gaming system, which is getting a total redesign and a new screen. Uh, in addition to, you know, any processor changes. Um, although that one's quad core, so it probably won't get a processor change right away. Uh, so lots of lots of cool stuff um, coming out. Uh, also on the on the toy side, uh, these were announced as part of Force Friday, but still part of this week. Uh, Little Bits, which makes really great uh, electronics kits for kids where they just snap things together with magnets. Uh, announced that they're coming out with a droid kit for ninety nine ninety nine, and you can build R2-D2, uh, an electronic R2-D2 that you can control via your phone, uh, and you build it out of little bits, uh, little bits electronics. Um, that's, so that's really, really cool. cool. There's, um, I believe that Sphero has some new, new robots. I think Sphero has an R2-D2 as well. Mm-hmm. And there's also uh, BB-8's evil twin, in the new movie or something it's not really clear what there's some kind of like bad uh empire or first order droid that uh that's sort of like the the dark version of uh of bb8 uh that i think also there's gonna be a robot of so uh, you know lots of cool stuff to look forward to this fall whether you're getting a toy or you're getting a new laptop 
or you're getting or you're getting a phone there's uh there's a lot to look forward to a lot of cool stuff and you know the announcements haven't ended you know it's we're coming up upon holiday season and a lot of companies are are going to be rolling out new stuff obviously a lot of people have heard about uh September 12th is going to be the next iPhone announcement. Uh, we don't know what, you know, exactly what's coming, but, uh, you know, everybody expects a larger screen from Apple mm-hmm. uh, and wireless charging. And and potentially uh, three devices. Yes, po- yes, potentially. Um, so... You know, we'll uh, see how I that goes. People, I think people expect an iPhone 8. They expect, I think, a 7S maybe. Um, so we'll, uh, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think I, Apple's going to surprise us with a naming convention. I think that the new phone will not be named iPhone 8. I agree. I think that it will probably be the iPhone or something like that. Um, but- there's been there's been a couple of a couple of things that have been pitched that I think are are possible. Um, one I think is possible and I hate it is just iPhone edition. Um, I think it's a dumb name, but I can see them doing it because they've got the Apple Watch edition. Edition what? Doesn't matter. <laughs> um and then um I kind of like the idea of the iPhone X, considering it's a 10th anniversary device. I kind of like that idea. I don't think they'll do it, but I kind of like it. <laughs> they did just oh. retire the X out of Mac OS, so that one seems unlikely, but I don't dislike that idea. Everybody likes 10. Everybody likes X. Nobody likes 11. Like I think we'll probably be on Windows 10 for many more years. Um but uh, I don't know. I feel like there's a movement uh, in tech, and there has been a movement for a while away from numbers, uh, which I dislike. Like I want them to use numbers because when you just name something the MacBook Pro without a model number, although there's some kind of serial number that nobody talks about for every MacBook, so so there is some yeah there. But like for search engine placement, like if you're searching for stuff, it's very easy to get the wrong one. Uh, and Apple is notorious for making it hard for you because, yeah. you know, they'll, they don't even really necessarily give you like you have to look if you're lo- let's say you're looking at a store like Amazon or Best Buy and you want to make sure you're getting the most recent MacBook, not last year's model. It can be it can be a little bit of a challenge. Like you see things that say this year's model or 2017. Sometimes they refresh something twice in a year. It's rare, but happens mm-hmm. that you're really is it early 2017 or late. So. I really like having specific numbers for products, but I don't think Apple likes it. No, they so don't. So they've gone away from it everywhere else. Look at the iPad. It's Now it's just the iPad. Uh-huh. And then there's the iPad Pro. So the MacBooks are the MacBook and the MacBook Pro. So I think it may be that there's two iPhones, the iPhone and the iPhone Pro or something like that. Uh I mean, look at Microsoft did the same thing, right? Yep. You had the Surface Pro three and the Surface Pro four, and then they're like, "No, Surface we're Pro." Do the Surface Pro, which wasn't there originally a Surface Pro that was just the Surface Pro. Wasn't that the first one? Yes, indeed. In fact, 
I am from where I'm sitting right now. I am looking at one. It is yeah, power. I know. It is the computer that powers uh, our new chat room program. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. So what? Do, so I I don't like it, but that's my prediction. <laughs> it's what I think will happen, not what I think should happen. So so, uh, it, so the the iPhone the iPhone Plus and the iPhone Pro be your three models. Probably if there are three. Yeah, I can if see there that. Are, if there are three, there may be just two. But yeah, uh, I I do think I don't know if there'll be a plus and a pro. Maybe there'll be an S. Maybe it'll be the iPhone S, the iPhone and the iPhone Pro, something like that. Or, or maybe if, there's the iPhone, the iPhone Plus, and the iPhone Pro. But if they're whatever gonna, it is, they won't have a number. If they're going to change their agreement, because right now they have agreements with the not like a a written this is a promise type thing but they have a a bit of a promise uh, an agreement with the uh the accessory manufacturers that a hardware design will survive two seasons but ah if they were going to change that now would be the time you know 10th anniversary uh, now would be the time to start making changes so you know, if if we were going to not see a seven S and a seven plus S, seven S plus, I don't remember how the naming convention works, and that's not a good sign. Uh, um, this would be the year to do it. So, so anyway, I definitely recommend everybody to check out uh, Tom'sGuide.com. Uh, where we have our list of best things from IFA. And, of course, we have some of the announcements on, on LaptopMag.com about uh, all the notebook, uh, all the many notebooks that were announced at, at IFA. And, of course, uh, we will be covering on Tom's Guide, we will be covering uh, the Apple announcement on, on September 12th a lot. <laughs> we, will be, <laughs> we will be heads down the whole day on every possible angle for that. So uh, please come check us out. I imagine uh, uh, Mark will be there for that. Yes, yeah. yes, he he's going. Uh, he will be he will be there at the event, and we'll all be the rest of us will be in the office, feverishly uh, doing <laughs> follow up stories. Makes sense. Meanwhile, I will be on Twitter feverishly um, harassing Apple. <laughs> Actually, the story I the story I've been assigned, and I do this every year, is. Uh, the story about try to you know the kind of the the devil's advocate story for android so uh-huh. like you know how how do, does android still beat still beat the iphone yeah how does it stack up today yeah 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 that that sounds about right <laughs> all right well uh we will look forward to in two weeks hearing uh information from you about the iphone and uh, probably about that particular article. That tends to be what our our mid-September pilch point is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we will not have a pilch point next week, so we will see you back in two. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. 
Uh, right now, lots of deals available on a variety of Razer products, which Razer makes arguably the best gaming accessories uh, on the market. Right now, you can get the, uh, the uh, Razer Tiamat uh, headphones uh, for one and a nine. You can get uh, a Lance Head Tournament Edition uh, mouse for 79 and a nine and uh, a bunch of other deals as well. And right now, if you buy that, uh, that Lance Head, you can also get the uh, Gigantus, which is the giant, almost desk-sized mouse pad that I mention almost every week. You can get that for free uh, as a deal if you use BTS GIG as your uh, as your promo code. You can get that giant mouse pad for free. I will tell you, I've used one. Uh, if you are an artist, it's a great addition. If you are a uh, PC gamer, it's a great addition. So it's uh, good for a lot of people. You can check out those and all of the other deals by going to f5live.tv/razor. I know we've all put ourselves in a position where. Uh, you're at the end of your mouse pad while you're drawing. You're like, oh, this isn't going to work. Anyway, so this week, um, something interesting ended up in my email. Uh, an announcement that it, uh, in celebration of the 30th anniversary of Street Fighter 2, um, <laughs> ret retro retrotainment games in Capcom uh, we're releasing a special edition, limited run, 5,500 unit, uh, Super Nintendo cartridge of the game. Yep. Fully functional. Put it in your SNES and it will absolutely play. Who still has an SNES? I have two of them. But that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually have two of them. But, but I, I'm just saying, like, how... How you can't still get one new, right? No, no. I mean, you it's can't. been years and years, right? There's no. Been I a, mean, there's not a ret. Is there a retro one that's made that you can buy if if you don't own, happen to own an old one that will play cartridges? That I cannot tell you. I do know I, that we have the Super NES Classic Edition coming out, uh, right? Soon, but it will not play cartridges. Right. That's that's what I was wondering. Like, will you? So so basically. The only people who can buy this limited edition thing are people who already have a console that's like twenty years old. Uh huh. Yes. Okay. Just, just checking. So they they better make only a few because just the the potential market is pretty small. It's pretty small. Yeah. Um. Now, the thing that this triggered for me, Avram, is this is like the extreme end of the interesting trend that we've seen over the last 20, 24 months, but mostly the last 12 in particular. Um, I mean, it started with um, some products that we interviewed at CES 2016, but not quite to this extent. Um, you know, we Nintendo at the end of last year released the NES Classic Edition and the Super NES Classic Edition is coming very soon. Sega partnered with At Games to release a classic and a flashback Genesis console that will play Genesis cartridges. So that's the opposite 
scenario. Here's a new console that'll play the old cartridges. Um, but like this is the extreme end of this interesting trend toward retro gaming where we're going to produce a new cartridge for old hardware. Now, it for anybody who's going to go pre-order this, just as a warning, their website has a whole warning at the bottom that says this may cause your SNES to catch fire. I don't know what that's all about, but read it. Even if you don't, <laughs> read it because it's an interesting disclaimer. <laughs> but that's not wow. that's not the point. What do you think is happening here with this this big like retro game push? So, hmm, what do I think is happening? I think that people who So first of all, I don't think anyone who didn't play the game these games when they first came out is buying this. Like I don't think there's I I could be totally wrong here, but I don't think people who didn't grow up with that with with the retro game really want to play the retro game. I've seen an interesting amount of excitement in teenagers for the SNES Classic, which yeah. would have been gone by the time it, it yeah. would have it would have been the the sixty four by the time they were old enough to know what was going on. So that I have found interesting. Now I say this, and yet at one point, at one point, my son was very interested in in. I showed him. You know, I had like an emulator a little bit, and then I had like we had we had bought like the flashback Atari because Atari was like my my console when mm-hmm. I was growing up, and you know he was like, oh, this is what you played when you were little, and you know when he was first looking at it when he was like four years old, he was like, oh, this is cool. Like he he didn't have like a strong opinion that the graphics are bad or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know. But I get the feeling when you play better games, you're a little more discerning. You know, you'd be like, well, why am I going back to this now? You know, for me, some, go, you know, playing some of these games takes me back. Sure. And it's like, oh, yeah, I remember how much fun I had playing that game. But it's sort I feel like it's sort of like, uh, you know, do you ever get the, the channel Boomerang, which is all the old cartoons? Yeah. Like, and you turn on like, oh, yeah, that's I remember watching this when I was 10 years old. You know, so. I guess there are some people who want to see the retro stuff. That's that's cool. I guess, you know, I guess there's still things people want, even if, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, maybe uh, people like 80s music. Maybe they like the games. People like, you Indeed. know, 90s music. Maybe they like the games. I mean, uh, it just seems to, I feel like it's something that is probably targeting people who are trying to sort of recapture something that they were doing in childhood. But oh. Absolutely, I think that's its primary market for sure. You know, uh, so why not? I mean, that's I, I, I do I do agree with you. That it's very interesting how much it's happening. Like, I can totally see the new games based on the old IP. Uh huh. But sure. why people want to go back to like the old game with the old bad graphics is hard for me to 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 grasp to you know to understand like. What I don't know, like yeah, like for about five minutes playing old Atari is is fun, and it's like oh man, look how far we've come, <laughs> you know, look how far we've come. Now the games have a plot and everything. Like now, although if, to... if you if you go back to the like the Super Nintendo 
era, which is what we're talking about here, if you look at like the Final Fantasies of that era versus the Final Fantasies of now, I think the stories and plot were far more intricate in the older games and that the that Square has kind of fallen into the trap of focus on graphics and not story. That, I mean, that's true. And, you know, one of the things that people are always complaining about, or not always, but I keep hearing, is that there's no, like, library of Congress for video games. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, old games are being, I don't know, lost to time. So, um, And we'll see a lot more of that with games now that require a server on the back end to function at all. You know, we I can go back and I can play the original Super Mario Brothers today all I want without any problem. But, you know, if I wanted to go back and play a game that requires a server on the back end, that's yeah, not going to happen. Actually a, it's, it's actually, you're, you're, you're very right. So all I can say is everyone in my office is very excited about SNES Classic coming. Uh, they're very excited about these old game about about playing old games. I also think we forgot to mention Sonic. Did you see the whole thing where they're coming out with the new with like what was it some some package of like I don't know how many Sonics that come, date back to the original Sonic. Are like it's. Do you mean the you're not talking about the new Sonic game in the old in the old style that just came out? You're talking about. Like, no, I think there's there's the is, are you talking about one? the hardware the the classic and the flashback that come with basically all the original games. Well, no, no, no. I but I'm I do think wasn't there like a some kind of I mean there is a new Sonic that looks old, but isn't there? I I thought that there was that they had actually like reissued uh, some of the old Sonics. What's the old? Maybe I'm wrong. Could be, but I'm, I mean for for sure there's the. There's the the Genesis flashback and classic console that come yeah. with just like the just like the NES and the SNES uh, that come with a ridiculous number of games. Definitely, just a lot of. Uh... A- anyway, yeah, I mean it's so people love it now. You know, maybe Atari, maybe somebody who used to work at Atari will. We'll go get a shovel and pick out all the ET cartridges from the landfill, and you know, and, and uh, sell those for hundreds of dollars a pop on they, uh, on, they, are, they on already, eBay. They already pulled all that up. Oh, they they pulled it all out. I know that there was a look, they were looking for it. Did they, they actually get it all? Yeah, there was a documentary uh, that Microsoft paid for. It's on uh, it's on Xbox or whatever it's called now, TVs and video or whatever. Yeah, well, there'll be sad times when people actually really want to play that game. Oh God, yeah. There, I, there's nostalgia, and then there's nonsense. <laughs> and so playing a game that was so bad that the developer threw the cartridges away—that's that's nonsense. <laughs> I I do have to say I'm of a certain age where things that are sort of made nostalgically. Are, are cool with me because I was there. So it's like, oh, you're you're making all my old stuff cool again. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, I, I think I think it's great that new new generations are, are discovering these old games. 
What yeah, I would rather sure. see them doing, although they are doing this to an extent because you can go to arcades, is I think the number one thing I'd like to see is more more places where you could go and play classic arcade games. Yeah. Not that you can't. There are a number of bars that have them. There's there's a place here in New York City called Barcade uh-huh. uh, that does a good job. I'm fully but, aware uh, of that place. But, uh, you know, I, I I do think that that's, that's the thing that, like... I'd really like kids to I like I'd like my son to experience that you know it's yeah. like this is what it was like to go to an arcade. Uh-huh. We've actually got a really large arcade here in Pinellas County. Um it's interestingly named. It's called Treasure Island Fun Center, but it's not in Treasure Island. It's in Seminole. But whatever. <laughs> they moved and they never changed their name, but it's a huge arcade. Like it's it's in an old uh, grocery store. So, oh man, it's huge. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely would like to see more arcade stuff. If, if uh, if we're gonna start doing nostalgia stuff, or if we're doing throwback stuff, let's bring back the arcade. I think that's our takeaway here. <laughs> yep, yeah, I, I, I support that. I support that wholeheartedly. You know, I uh, a, a lot of my early early 20s were spent in a couple of arcades here in the area and it has to be cheesy too like <laughs> you don't just make it like brightly lit and like family friendly like Chuck E. Cheese it's gotta have like dark lighting <laughs> and, and it has to be next to Spencer Gifts of course and you know you have to have you know all kinds of like strange characters there Yeah. That's funny. Our mall arcade was next to a Radio Shack and not the Spencer's. <laughs> this week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the professionals do it for you because that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies from block, from blockbusters to the little unicorn. They've got a little bit of everything. Uh, the way it works is for a couple bucks, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. Uh, from time to time, they do, um, they do a live show uh, in movie theaters nationwide. The last one, as we know, was uh, Doctor Who's uh, Five Doctors. And uh, the next one, on October 25th, will be Night of the Living Dead in theaters nationwide. And to find out what theaters are supporting it and uh, what movies are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash rifttracks. I am very much looking forward to Night of the Living Dead. Anyway, that's not what we're going to do. Let's talk about Instagram for a minute. Uh... If, if 2016 is going to go down as the uh, year of celebrity deaths, 2017 seems to be going down as the year of uh, celebrity uh, data dumps. Uh, we had uh, we talked last week or two weeks ago about uh, HBO and uh, the entire cast list for um, Game of Thrones being leaked with emails and phone numbers and home addresses and all kinds of stuff. Uh, this week... Uh, Instagram turns out to have had a, uh, a 
bit of a bug in their software and through a very simple process, uh, somebody could grab the email address and phone number attached to your Instagram account using an old version of the Instagram software from last year um, that has not been maintained for a while, which suggests that this, uh, this bug in the old version of the API might have been around for a long time, which is interesting. Um, but a very simple uh, password reset with a proxy setup, and anybody could grab your email address and phone number, and of course, did. Uh, um, since it was a manual process, though, it required the original application to be uh, in place. It uh, it didn't. They didn't just like do a quick scan of everybody's Instagram account. They had to be, you know, picky, and so of course they picked uh, celebrities as you would expect. And all of that data right now is available for sale at about $10 a pop. Wow. So what will you do with this information? Well, I'm sure terrible things, but this sort of reminds me, I don't know who the person is who's paying 10 bucks so they could get, I was looking at the list here that they can get, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg's phone number or, (laughs) you know, Beyonce's phone number like you know first of all they may very well change it but second of all like they probably don't want to hear from you you know like (laughs) this sort of reminds me when I was a kid and I don't know if it was ever true because I never called it but there was like floating around my elementary school there was like oh such and such knows someone who knows Gary Coleman and here's Gary Coleman's phone number (laughs) but don't call him because he'll be really angry to hear from you and I Fair enough. And I was like, so why do I want his phone number? Right. <laughs> Listen, I love you on different strokes. Oh, you hang it up at me? <laughs> no, but, uh, uh, and given what we know now about, about Gary Coleman, now that you know, because back then it was like when he was on TV and stuff, right. I'm sure he really wouldn't have been happy. Right. But, uh, but anyway, uh, so I, I don't know who still wants that stuff, but I guess there's, some people who are celebrity obsessed and they will call and harass someone. Well, there's uh, also the kick. there's also the scenario that um, once you've got an email address for a celebrity, perhaps you there's a process for getting a hold of uh, maybe their account. Uh, for example, this week, Instagram has has said that they have fixed the bug and that no. Uh, security information was breached. However, three days before that, uh, or three days, yeah, uh, three days before that, uh, Selena Gomez's Instagram account uh, posted a couple of nude photos of Justin Bieber that have been floating around forever. They're from that paparazzi uh, a year and a half or two years ago or whenever it was. But uh, the Selena Gomez's Instagram account published the photos uh, via a hack, so it's possible that uh, that through either you know social engineering or something like that, once once you've got Selena Gomez's contact information, perhaps you can uh, get into their account. There, so I mean, there's there's potential for uh, for gain with that kind of information. Yeah, I, I'm sure there is. I mean, it it really does call attention to the fact that you don't want to have uh, information out there that, you know, like if you're afraid someone's going to hack 
hack it like mm-hmm. um, you know you want to be careful and if they are celebrities using Instagram would, and they have to give a phone number I guess you have to give a phone number to sign up for an account but does it have to be your phone number I mean don't they have people for that or something you would think because um, I mean it it texts a verification number to your phone to a phone number but you know isn't that exactly what Google Voice was created for yeah, I mean, you know, you could have a throwaway phone number. You could probably have a personal assistant use your phone number. Uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, or granted, some... or you've got a phone specifically for this. If you know, if you're if you're Selena Gomez, it's totally possible that you have a phone number specifically for this, and maybe an email address for each social network, so that this kind of crap doesn't happen. Now, let's let's be fair. I think that a lot of these celebrities are like real people. I mean, I think one of the things that's most um, fans of any can can see through very easily and nobody really likes to see is a very sanitized, corporatized social media presence, right? The one where like you've all we've all seen it like social media where it's just like the person. It's very clear that the person themselves is not sending any messages and that they're just like, Uh uh-huh you know, have an assistant who goes and like puts up some platitudes to promote them and promote their stuff. And there's, and I think the thing that people like about social media is the immediacy, the thought that like, yes, that person really is behind the keyboard just like me. Yeah. They don't have, you know, an army of, uh, you know, of, of, of sort of gatekeepers, uh, between you and them putting up the posts like, you know, like you would if you go to someone's official website, like the idea is, wow, they like actually are tweeting. So, you know, I, I do think that's something that people like about sure. social media and the people who are actually tweeting and actually Instagramming, mm-hmm. probably using their own phone, not really thinking about, well, I, maybe I should have a burner phone for the, you know, a second phone for this or, or whatever. They're probably just, you know, the convenience yeah. Let's do it on my phone. Yeah. Whatever. So, um, although you don't need to to perform the account on the same phone as you use for the verification. Correct. You know, so it's not like you you have to use a separate phone just be able to get through whatever the verification is. Right. Because I verified Instagram on on one device and I use the software on four or so. So. Yeah, once you do the verification, it doesn't matter. But anyway, the 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 thing that stood out for me in uh, Instagram's release was they said that one or more individuals obtained unlawful access to data, and that that phrase I thought was interesting um, because it sounded like Instagram was trying to pass the blame. Is like the 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 analogy that I I thought was um, you leave something private in a bar and somebody picks it up. Who whose fault is it that that information is is now public? Is it the person who found the thing? Or is it the person who left it behind? Apple would be- lead you to believe that it was the person who picked it up. But <laughs> throw back to the iPhone 4 <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but uh, 
I I think Instagram needs to take more responsibility for that information being out there than they are. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, you know, listen, what they're trying to do is say these are bad people who hacked in and mm-hmm. took the stuff in. By all rights, they're right. It's it's it is unlawful, and it is wrong. So they're right about that. On the other hand. I think the one of the principles in computer security is if somebody can hack it, they will hack it. Right. Especially something that's as valuable a target as Instagram accounts. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? They need to, they need to have done a better job. But I I don't know. I mean, I guess the word unlawful reads a little bit like legalistically, but maybe they're trying to like distance themselves a little bit. But they really don't have a leg to stand on, like. They had a security flaw. People took advantage of it. And and a fairly simple security flaw at that. I've I've looked into the details of it. It's not it was not difficult to uh to take advantage of. <laughs> so like it was a it was an amateur mistake that was made. And, and you know, if people did it and they're caught, like that's still I think that's still a crime. They didn't earn access to do that. Mm-hmm. They weren't you know they weren't uh, you know given permission to do that so it's i guess it's sort of like it's sort of like i don't know if someone leaves my door unlocked or like the lock company for my door it doesn't work Mm -hmm. i mean it's still not you know it's still a person's fault who breaks in and opens the door it doesn't matter whether the lock was effective or not true you know they but nevertheless i put i would put a lot of blame on on the defective lock company or on the person if they in this particular case, if it basically the the analogy is if you were to go and lock all of your doors except the kitchen door and somebody came in through the kitchen door, I there's definitely blame to be to be spread around. Yep. <laughs> well so. you know, uh another day, another hack. Um <laughs> indeed. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove. All the music you love play ad-free from one of the biggest catalogs on the planet. You can listen anywhere on your PC, tablet, uh, Xbox 360, or Xbox One, your smartphone, whether it be Android, iOS, or Windows, or uh, just on the web. And of course, you can download music on up to three devices, so you don't have to use your your limited data plan if you happen if you have one of those or um, if you're in a place where you don't have data at all you can still uh, keep the music going plus all the things you would expect you know playlists and custom radio stations based on artists and genres and songs that you really like plus right now we have a th- free 30-day trial by going to f5live.tv slash groove I did it again I tried to Invert free and 30. So I said three. <laughs> anyway. Um, so an interesting IPO was filed this week. Uh, there's there's kind of no doubt that Roku is one of the, the leaders in streaming platform assets, right? You've got, they make their own hardware. 
which allows you to add smart capabilities to standard TVs or TVs that are out of date. And, uh, you know, Samsung or whoever doesn't support the smart TV platform anymore. Um, but then you've also got TVs that have it built in. At CES this year, we accidentally did two interviews <laughs> with companies with Roku TVs. Like, it's not like we went out looking for Roku TVs. We just happened to two, happened to do two interviews uh, with TCL and Hitachi, and both of them uh, support the Roku TV platform. Um, and this week, they filed uh, for an uh, IPO, which is an initial public offering. So for those of you who don't know, that means that they're going to make uh, stock available to the public for the first time uh, through the NASDAQ international listings. Um, they're looking to raise $100 million, which initially might sound like a lot of money until you find out that they are uh, some $244 million in the hole right now. So it won't even like patch the negatives. Um, it's an interesting amount of money um, in the filing that that's not so much. The interesting part it is not the filing itself uh, or the fact that they filed. It's some of the information that was in the filing as a private company. Um, they're not required to release any numbers at all. Um, but in filing for uh, public offering, they're required to give some information. And so some of the information was really kind of interesting. Um, the company, as of the end of June, all of these numbers uh, are kind of as the uh, as of the end of June, had 15.1 million active accounts, which is a lot of, you know, theoretically a lot of accounts when you think about, you know, how many other ways there are to watch these things, right? Um, and they had 6.7 billion hours of streaming in that first six months of the year. And uh, last year, one-third of all content streamed was Netflix. No big surprise there. And uh, that YouTube was its top ad-supported service. But they don't make any revenue on any of the ad-supported content on YouTube. In fact, yeah. they have a lot of trouble generating after-sale revenue. Yeah, I, I don't know how they would. Yeah. It, it's it's definitely an interesting place to be, right? It's a it's a platform that requires, in in this case, like a a one time purchase price, but requires ongoing maintenance and and uh, things. You know, it's not like it's not like uh, Samsung just selling you a television and then they're done. <laughs> The smart they, the smart platforms require upkeep. Yeah, they they run updates. I mean, so well, I have some thoughts about Roku. First, <laughs> no, actually, they're not negative. So I love Roku. I do too. I love Roku, and I, my love for Roku was uh, reaffirmed uh, this weekend, Friday, when I went to my parents' house, and they had me. They had just bought a new Samsung smart TV. Okay. Uh, and they said, Oh look, we don't have to have Roku anymore. It's built in. Uh, <laughs> it's like the same thing kind of thing is built in. And I went and I, and yes, they had the ability to play Netflix, the ability to play Amazon in there. 
but man, it just wasn't as 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 uh-huh. good as Roku. Like yeah. it was slow. It was like doing some awkward updates. The interface wasn't as good. Like it just like Roku really is the best at what it does for sure, by far. You know, like I understood they have a lot of competition. You know, they have all the smart TVs. They have iTunes, uh, as uh, not iTunes, Apple, uh, TV. Apple TV. You they've, know, they've which, got Android TV, which is or is oh, not. Nobody has that. I know. Uh, uh, and and they and they have uh, you know and there's Fire TV, sure. uh, so so they have a lot of competition in the set top box space in the building from both smart TVs and other third party boxes. So it's amazing that they're doing as well as they are. And consoles, and think, you know, that's oh, that's, that's how, right too. That's how I interact with most of my stuff is with my Xbox One. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. My my PlayStation uh, now we do. Like I use the Roku on the TV that doesn't have the PlayStation because on the PlayStation we use that yeah. now, but it's not as good. Like it's it's just not as good. Like you got to use the controller to to navigate. My wife hates that. She's like, you know, you do it. I'm not doing it. You know, yeah. like Roku is like a real TV experience. What Roku should be doing, and it looks like they are doing to an extent, is licensing. Yeah. Instead of being, instead of trying, I mean, it's good that they're the hardware vendor too. But they really need to to replace to be the one to replace the the, the bad smart TV software yeah. that's on all these TVs. And a couple so, and a couple of manufacturers have gone that way. TCL's gone that way. Hitachi's gone that way, and somebody else. I don't remember the third one. Yeah, I'd like. To, I mean, I I mean, I'm sure Samsung will never do it because they like to control their own stuff. But man, that would be a real. If you said this TV has Roku, that would be a big selling point for me because Ro- Roku legitimately has just much better software Absolutely. than everybody else. I don't know why there's so- I don't know why <laughs> others can't get it right. Like it's not I know. that hard. It doesn't seem that hard. Like just you know make it fast and seamless, easy to add and remove channels, support a lot of things. But uh, I bought my know, parents a Roku ages ago. And I've loved it. I I would recommend to people who are thinking about buying a smart TV, don't. Yeah, absolutely. Don't buy a smart TV. Buy a TV and buy a Roku. That's or, it. Or yeah. Or one of the ones that has the Roku built in. What, or one that has the Roku built in. What, like, whatever say, your decision is, go Roku. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I would recommend that you do not like waste the extra 50 bucks to get a Samsung smart TV. If right. you're thinking about getting a set, you really want to get a Samsung TV, get the non-smart one and spend the difference on a Roku box. Absolutely. Like, Cause the cost is going to, the cost is going to come out about the same and your experience will be much better if you get the Roku. Yeah. So, you know, I, so they deserve like some recognition. It's amazing that they're able to do as well as they are with all the competition that mm. they have without all the other stuff that all the other vendors have like they're the only ones that i know of that are out there doing this completely on their own like you know amazon fire tv could be you know it doesn't have to do super well because they're amazon and it could just be their ecosystem for tv but you know to help sort of drum up some of the amazon prime video and stuff Mm -hmm. you know apple doesn't need to you know i mean it's nice for them but apple doesn't have to have to succeed in tv because you know like this could this sort of props up itunes a bit right like they don't have to be number one of that but roku like this is all they've got yeah you know this is all they're doing 
So if I were an investor, I would be concerned. If I was thinking about investing in them, I might be concerned about that. The fact that they're losing money is a testament to how difficult the market is. At the same time, uh, you know, good for them because uh, because I thought years ago that they might that they might go, you know, not be around. Yeah. If you asked me a few years ago, I would say, oh man, I love Roku, but I don't I don't think they'll still be around in a few years because this is going to be built into the TV. Right. But but they uh, they have persevered. They're, so uh, they're in the much same credit to them. They're in the same situation that that TiVo was in, right? That yes, they are un- the undisputed champion of of the platform, but being this standalone thing that's not built into your cable box in TiVo's case. Um, or doesn't have a secondary revenue stream like you know Amazon with uh, Prime Video or Apple with iTunes, Google with the Play Store, things like that. Without that secondary revenue stream, you know, TiVo got crushed. And and here, Roku is in the same place. Uh, I think the difference that Roku has for them is the fact that they have so many subscribers they have so many active accounts they might actually be able to work out maybe not with youtube but perhaps with some of their other uh ad supported uh revenue uh, ad supported platforms maybe there could be some sort of a revenue share um i mean youtube has revenue sharing uh plans with other third-party publishers it it wouldn't be out of the question to see that kind of thing or it's possible that maybe roku finds a a secondary revenue stream maybe they have a a media store or something uh show up yeah they 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 probably should do something like that although to be fair they're probably well aware that it's that it's going to be very hard to compete in those spaces like you know, so there's Google Play and iTunes or whatever. Now I'm going to buy for Roku. So, you know, to be fair, that's a tough, uh, you know, tough road to, to to follow. Like their whole thing is is kind of tough. Yeah. But I think, I think, uh, you know, trying to push more in the licensing. I do think what could happen to them someday, and I thought this would have happened maybe already, is that somebody somebody who makes smart TVs, uh, you know, buys them, brings them into and, the fold. And brings them into the fold, uh, but you know, I, I I for one am glad that we still have things like Roku on the market uh-huh. because there's really nothing else like it that is just not trying to sell you something else. Yeah, like it is what it is, uh, and uh, you know, I I love Roku. I use their <laughs> products a lot. Uh, I wish them I wish them all all the luck in the world. I hope they find more ways uh, to more ways to monetize. I don't know yeah. if a lot of investors are going to be excited about investing in a company that has, uh, you know, that has that much debt. And then also, uh, and then also is in a real, in a market yeah. where it's real, really, really stiff competition. And, and the trend is for more of these things to probably be t- more of the things to probably be in the TV, which like by all rights, you're better off. Just you said about TiVo by all rights, you're better off with Roku. But 
if your TV already has a smart TV and your main thing that you're going to do is watch Netflix and you get Netflix there, I don't know if a lot of people are going to be like, you know what, I'm going to buy Roku also. Right. So at some point, it may very well be the case that almost all new TVs are smart. Not yet, but at some point. And and maybe maybe the way that Roku survives is by increasing their their licensing partnerships. I mean, that that would be their bet. That I mean, they must know that that would be their best bet. But I hope so. <laughs> I know a lot of companies like Samsung and Sony or whatever they want to be they want to be in control of the software. And sure. They don't want to admit, probably, that hey, actually, Roku's better. Right. But you know, when you've got companies like TCL and uh, TCL in particular, like that's the anytime Roku talks about their their uh, hardware partners, TCL is the one. Like there are photos in the the um, filing in the F, uh, FTC filing. All of them are of of TCL TVs. There's I, I mean there's not a Hitachi I, in there. Um, TCL is definitely the one that they are excited about being partnered with, but that's because you can get a a really good quality TCL TV for just shy of free. I mean, their prices are ridiculously low. Well, I guess my question is like among I I don't know what the sales numbers are, mm-hmm. whatever, but I don't think TCL is a leading brand like in 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 TVs. They're getting so, they're getting there. Oh, they're getting up. Okay. Oh yeah. My my guess is uh, after the because we were at the press conference this year at uh, CES, um, and my guess is at the rate of growth they're seeing in the U.S., I'd say by by CES twenty twenty they'll announce themselves as number three. Huh. Now, if they could get you know, I think they should try to get into the Best Buy house brand. What what is it? I forget the name of it. Uh huh. Element. Yeah, that w- I think it's. That I think them? it's Element. Yeah. I think it's Element. Uh, Insignia. Is it Insignia? Ah, Element was uh, was Circuit City. I think. Uh, I think it's Insignia. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think if they, I think that would be a, a good move for them. But anyway, yeah. So good. Good luck to them. They they claim yeah. that they've got a plan uh, for profitability, and this is going to help them execute it. We'll see how that goes. And that is our show. Uh, thank you for joining us. However it is you uh, joined us, whether it be uh, live at f5live.tv slash join us on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern or uh, through our subscriptions at pluckitslive.com slash subscribe. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to, uh, to listen to us talk about tech and games and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, next week... We have a different kind of a broadcast. We will be uh, broadcasting uh, first looks from the Robot in a Weekend in Tampa for the first tech challenge. Uh, We will see how all of that goes. We have not broadcast uh, Robot in a Weekend before, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, We will be one of uh, many organizations, at least across the state of Florida, who will be doing it. Um, so if you're interested, there will be more than one live stream for sure. Um, usually uh, Florida Polytechnic does one and uh, University of Central Florida does one. So uh, keep an eye out for the uh, Robot in a Weekend stuff next weekend. 
And then uh, after that, we will be back here in the studio. So that's the 10th, the 17th. Uh, the 20, so the 17th and the 24th will be normal shows, and then, uh, October 1st we will be off, because I will be in a car coming back from Atlanta, <laughs> for Anime Weekend Atlanta, so, uh, the next couple of weeks we'll be back and forth, but that has been how the whole second half of this year has gone for us, right, Abram? Yep, definitely so. <laughs> so, I guess on that note, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we will see you back in two weeks. Ciao.